0: let's open our Bibles today to Malachi chapter 1 Malachi chapter 1 it's our second week in this study that we're calling namesake and I don't have to give a lot of explanation for that because as we work through it whether it's reading the verses of scripture or talking about the verses of scripture you will see how important it is for our life to reflect the name of the Lord and we live you, you can say for his name's sake. I, there's a story that has circulated in our family for many years. It's one of those things that happened in childhood that uh, you don't have to tell the whole story anymore. You just kind of bring it up and everybody else in the family knows it. But it has to do with one particular Halloween. And uh, we were um, involved in some trick-or-treating And we had some certain places that we would go where there was an expectation that you would get not only candy, but you would get good candy. And some places you would know you would get abundant candy. Uh, One particular location in our neighborhood, uh, there was this expectation that it would be the kind of place where you would get loads of candy. And the reason for that is, is that it was one of the owners of a local general store. And we thought, and he's got cases of candy in his possession. There's no way we would skip uh, his store or his house. But in this one particular year, when we were uh, came back as, as family, we dump all the candy out and we're looking through it. And, and parents see that in our uh, batch of trick-or-treating candy, there is an apple. And... Uh, and we talked about that and, and we said, "Apple, who, who, gives, who gives an apple uh, to kids on, on Halloween?" Well, that had come from that particular store owner, but it wasn't just any apple in our batch. Our apples were uh, soft. <laughs> they had bruise spots on them, and some of them, in our maybe in my imagination, after a few years, would say, "I just remember them being rotten. But, can you imagine what might go on in a kid's mind? Can you imagine what might go on in an adult that can remember his childhood's mind? Thinking about somebody giving you bruised or rotten apples um, for trick-or-treating. Here's what I think. When I think back on that, and I've thought this for years, is that uh, that particular individual must not have had um, too great a thought about kids in his mind. You, You think there was something in his mind or heart that did not excite him, did not cause him great joy when he saw kids. Kids really weren't all that great in his eyes that hits at a truth that's important for us to understand when we come to Malachi and it's this what we give shows our estimation stay with me for just a second what we give shows our estimation of the receivers value now don't miss a word in that I'm not saying that it determines the receivers value I'm saying that what we give what we offer you might say shows our estimation of the receivers value when we give when we offer uh, when we present something to someone There is in that giving, there is in that offering, there is in that presenting some estimation in our mind of what we think about the one who is receiving that gift. Malachi chapter 1 drives this point home. Last week when we started in this book of Malachi, we talked about the greatness of God. And we saw three ways that we can see the greatness of God. In fact, God wants us to see his greatness. He said in verse 5, Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Now, what he had just taught them in those first four verses that would allow them, that allows us to see his Greatness and to speak of His greatness uh, had to do with His burden for His people, had to do with God's love for His people. And then the third thing was God's sovereignty over all people. And those three truths about God, His burden, His love, and His sovereignty, puts us in a position to see His greatness and to speak His greatness. Today, when we come to verse 6 of chapter One, it goes just a little bit further beyond seeing and saying. God wants us to see his greatness. He wants us to speak his greatness. And today we see that he wants us to show his greatness. Now, I want to read these verses here. And it's describing a scene of worship. But let me say before I read these verses that when we talk about worship that it's more than a song okay we 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 do use the word when we talk about worship to lots of times describe the musical aspect or the singing aspect of what we do in honoring the lord we we may uh, from time to time even say sentences like now that we have uh, finished worshiping this morning let's open our bibles we it's it's something in our culture has attached music and worship as almost synonyms music's just a portion of worship what we're talking about when we use the word worship is what we do to show honor and respect and affection love devotion to our creator to god now worship is not just a word that's used in religious Worlds, we can talk about uh, worshiping a lot of different things. Somebody might say, I worship the ground that uh, they walk on. And, and there might be some, we, we, when we say it, we think in admiration. We're thinking of, of respect, of honor. And today when we're talking about the practice of worship, don't limit it to just music. Don't limit it to just a public gathering. Both of those are part of it. But what I want you to uh, to kind of wrestle through these verses with me is a life of worship. It's a worship that's de- described in Romans 12 where we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. It's our spiritual act of worship. And so I'm I'm talking about how we offer our lives, whether it's at work or at leisure, whether it's Eating or driving or uh, when we're interacting with friends or in relationships or we're in a class or we're in a room gathered as a group of church family. It's our life offered as a living sacrifice. Now, having said that, let me look, let's look at these verses beginning in verse 6. And as we look at these verses, I, we just, I want to say to you up front that God was not pleased. Um, I've been asked twice already, uh, am I ready to preach? How did I feel about the message before I ever walked here in front of you? And, and the word that I just have used both times and the answer is heavy. I feel heavy when I come to these verses. In fact, I, I can't bring to mind any verses of Scripture that express a greater um, a, a greater disappointment from the heart of God, a, a, a greater uh, rebuke from the voice of God. These are heavy verses they are they're hard verses to take to heart they are not verses that leave us wondering what God's trying to say in fact they are verses that need very little explanation of what God means because he says what he means it's questioning an answer his audience specifically, and, and hear this, his audience specifically in these next few verses are the spiritual leaders of his people. He directly speaks to the priest. And the priests were those that uh, led the people to worship. They were the spiritual uh, examples for the people. They were the spiritual guides for the people when they knew that it was time to to come to worship, they expected the the priest to be leading them, engaging them, guiding them, showing them, modeling them, telling them what was right and wrong. And, And God speaks in these verses first to the priest. I believe it broadens out a little bit, but he's speaking to spiritual leaders first. And as he speaks to them you will see that what they were offering to God was expressing was expressing an estimation of God's value that was way way beneath who God is let's look in verse 6 a son honors his father and a servant his master if then I am a father where is my honor and if I'm a master where's my fear says the Lord of hosts to you O priest who despise my name but you say how have we despised your name by offering polluted food upon my altar but you say how have we polluted you by saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in sacrifice is that not evil and when you offer those that are lame or sick is that not evil present that to your governor Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors... You might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit that is its food may be despised verse 13 but you say what a weariness this is and you snort at it says the Lord of hosts you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick This you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand? Says the Lord. Cursed be the cheat. Who has a male in his flock. And vows it. And yet sacrifices to the Lord. What is blemished. For I am a great king. Says the Lord of hosts. And my name will be feared. Among the nations. Now knowing that these verses first are to the spiritual leaders, I read these verses as a shepherd of this flock. When they heard these verses, the priests were hearing these verses as spiritual leaders of God's people. We get a description here. a a discussion here about God's name when we talk about God's name in these chapters of Malachi we're not talking about a proper noun we're talking about his name which relates to his reputation It relates to his revealed character God is saying that my revealed character will be great among the nations. My renown, my reputation, who I am will be known and I'll be known as a great king. Well, I just, I want to walk through these verses. And allow God to just continue to, to work in my heart, to work in the hearts of those that need to hear. I take... Um, it's... These are verses that, even though the sermon may end in a few minutes, that... That I believe are not verses that God will be finished with. You say, Pastor, do I need to even be listening right now if this is a a message to you as a spiritual leader? Well, I think it's not a stretch for us to recognize that in lots of different environments today, as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, we operate as spiritual leaders. And people may look to you as an example as one that would lead them toward the Lord as one that would carry the banner or the name of Christ and so there's something here for all of us to glean about our worship of the Lord but I, I don't want to excuse the weight of this um, having an impact not just Teachers of a class, not. It would include, you know, small group leaders. It would include other pastors on staff. It would include servants that work with children or work with adults. I mean, any, any. It would be in the home where we're the spiritual leader in the home. And God is is bringing us to a point of saying, Look, how you worship with your life how you love me how you serve me what you give to me from your life it shows something about who I am in your life Now, God makes three comparisons of common values and and he this this these words here in verse uh, verse 6 7 there, he, he presents an argument that leaves the people knowing exactly what the common value is. He, he gives the example of a son and a father. He, he gives the example of a servant and a master. And then later he, he gives, a few verses down, he gives an example of uh, the people and their governor. Or the people and a dignitary. And he knows that people understand the common value of of how you treat a father. It had been spelled out in the law that God had given to the people. They they knew it in their culture. And, and he asked the question, he says, it's almost like he's saying, you know this, a son honors his father. You go all the way back to one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. A, a son honors his father. Then he, he makes this uh, comparison of a, a master and a servant. He says, and if I'm a... a a servant, his master, there's honor, there's respect. And then later he talks about, would you present the kinds of offerings that you're presenting to me to your governor? and would you expect him to give any favor if you presented those kind of offers with a the, uh, presentation there being a uh, just a rhetorical question because the common value would and the common answer would have been well, no. No. And so God is is saying to the people, I am your father. I am your master. I'm more than your governor. I'm your king. Yet there's something I hold against you. And God goes from these three common values and he makes three charges against them. He says, number one, you've despised my name. And number two, he says, you've allowed my name to be despised. And number three, he says, you have profaned my name. Now, this is a... You look for the the let up in these verses and it's just not there. But God says... Where's my honor? Where's my fear? Meaning reverence or respect. He says, O priest, listen to his charge there in verse 6. O priest who despise my name. And they ask, how's that? Prove it. We don't see it. and Which is an, an indicator of where their heart had gotten to in this casual relationship with the Lord that they couldn't see that their actions were... were um, we're being assessed as despising the name of the Lord and God answers you've despised my name verse 7 by offering polluted food upon my altar the polluted there you would go on to see that what he was talking about were items that were ruined sacrifices that were blemished now, in the Levitical law, the Old Testament, the expectations would have been laid out that they were to bring their first fruits to the Lord in their sacrificial system. They were to bring their first fruits to the Lord in their worship, and they were to bring uh, uh, animals to Him uh, to be offered on the altar as a as a uh, as, in, as, as a incense and a fragrance to the Lord and dealing with their sin. And those offerings, be it a lamb or some other animal, were to be without blemish. They were to be the best of the flock, the best of the herd. And God says, that's not what you do. He says, but you say, how have we polluted you? He says, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. To despise something means to disregard its character. It has a sense of emotion about it. And it's like an emotional decision of valuing something as unworthy. Of not needing notice or recognition. God says by offering this ruined food. Or offering blemished sacrifices. You're disregarding. Who I am. You're not showing value of who I am. It's despising my name. It's despising my character. The offerings don't match my greatness. But this, he goes beyond just rebuking the priest for despising his name. He rebukes the priest for allowing his name to be despised. It's just another layer of this. He says, they say, how have we despised your name? Verse 7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table, and listen to this phrase, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. In other words, the practical picture there was is that people were bringing their gifts to to the times of worship and sacrifice and maybe they come in with really excellent food and the priest might respond by saying, wow, that's a good-looking crop. Are you just going to offer that here in the temple? Don't you have something? You you could keep that and eat that or sell that or trade that. It would be like them bringing an animal that they would recognize as being, and that's like the choicest lamb of your flock. What What about a lamb that has a, A a limp, or that is lame, or that is blind, or you could offer that, and it do the same thing. Just check the box. And God is after the spiritual leaders here to say that that it's not just that you yourselves are disregarding my name through your offerings, but you're allowing others, you're leading others. In a way that causes them to do the same thing. And then this third charge of God. He says in verse 12. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted. and It's fruit that is. It's food may be despised. Verse 13. But you say what a weariness this is. And you snort at it. Says the Lord of hosts. says you profane my name. You show disrespect. They, they have reached a point where they have not exalted the name of the Lord, but they have treated it with disrespect to the point to where they're even they're, they're tired. They're, they're bored with this aspect of worshiping the Lord in His greatness. Well, when you work through these verses... God makes some statements about what you can expect if your worship is like this. And this week as I just read through these verses. I just keep asking this question. And I would invite you and ask you to ask it of your own life. Lord, am I giving less than my best to you? God would say to these spiritual leaders and to his people, Because they followed their leaders, yes. And God says, if you give less than your best to me in worship, here's what you can expect. You can expect, number one, no favor from God. And it's such a... Verse 9, he he lays this out and he says, And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? It's, God says, you can ask the Lord to be gracious, but if you're relating to him like he's not great, what if he just answers you accordingly? He says, you can expect no favor from God. Then he says you can expect to bring no pleasure to God. Verse 10, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you. What a haunting indictment. If we offer less than our best to the Lord, we can expect, number three, no acceptance with God. Verse 8, verse 10 verse 13 he says I will not accept this offering I will not accept this offering And really what God's word is driving here at us is to uh, to show us that there is a kind of worship that is worthless there is a kind of worship that is in vain and the kind of worship for these people the kind of worship from our life that is worthless that is not acceptable to God is a is a second rate offering of our lives a a half-hearted offering of our lives in worship of God we have we, we don't bring goats and food to the Lord in any kind of uh, a way to worship the Lord we we worship with our lives with our self we have things like time and money and talents we have possessions we have children we have families we and I, and I'm honest before you this morning and saying I don't have a, a neat and tight uh, way of defining and explaining all of this. I, I know that God is just pounding on my heart to take inventory and say with everything that is in my possession, my life, my heart, my, my, my salvation, my kids, my possessions, my time, my energy, my, my, my education, am I giving it first to the Lord for his glory? this last thing we see here is that we when we give less than our best we can he says to the people you could be you can be you can expect to be cursed look in verse 14 cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the lord what is blemished and you have this picture of one who knew that in his possession was Exactly what God required. Exactly what would reflect God's greatness. And they even said, I will will give it. I will give my best. But somehow, in some way, when it came down to that moment, when the sacrifice was made, the one that was blemished was slipped in and something less than their best was offered. These are expectations that I think you would agree that we want none of. We don't want to live a life with no favor from God. We don't want to live a life that brings no pleasure to God. We don't want to bring a life that has no no acceptance from God that would be cursed by God. What do we do? We need to recognize that the greatness of God Demands our best. And I go back to this question. And and, and coming back here again and again where he says in verse 10. oh that there were one among you who would shut the doors. That you might not kindle fire on the altar in vain. It's like this call to say is there a heart in the crowd that would say this this kind of worship is going to stop. It starts first personally and personally as we each evaluate our life to see, hey, am I offering my best to the Lord? Am I showing his greatness? Here's some evaluative questions that that might come up that would help us kind of process through this. One is, is your service for God less than you would offer a human dignitary? Think about it. Are there ways in your life that you offer more honor, more respect, more energy, more of your life to them than you would offer to King Jesus? Are you giving your best to God? Here's a question. Is God answering your prayers? The picture here in verse 9 is that we could entreat the favor of God and he would not be gracious to us if if our uh, lives are not examples of obedience to him. Think about corporately as we do church and as we gather and as we worship in a corporate setting. Do we just play church? Do we just check the box and say it doesn't require my best? you find yourself bored or tired of living a life of worship and honor? The Lord, is your passion for God's name and glory to be known among the nations? I, when I worked through this message... Keep asking, Lord, what is what do you want to do? What needs to change? thing that just keeps coming to my mind again and again is what God had done when you get to the New Testament where he he gives his best he gives his best in his son it's where we started last week his burden for us His love for us. His sovereignty over us. And today when I stand in this text. When I wrestle through these verses. The thing that just keeps echoing in my mind and heart. Is the fact that you know what? God gave his best for me. He gave his only begotten son. And that if I would believe in him. I would not perish, but have eternal life. As a response to that, as fruit of that, the overflow of that, has me in these verses saying, Lord, I want to give you my whole heart. I want my offerings of time and my offerings of my money, the offerings of my abilities, the offerings of my devotion, the offerings of my family Lord I want to lay that on the altar and and give you what's best and trust you with that. I want to say to you that I think that there's a, a lot still that the Lord wants to do in my heart. It's a leader of my home. A, shepherd of our church to make sure that the offering of my life is showing the greatness of God and I fear that I if i way short of that there's a prayer that's circulated this week that circulated this week among our pastors that I have read again and again I just would want to be, a, I want you to hear this is the prayer that your pastors are praying. This is a prayer I'm praying. It's a prayer written by A.W. Tozier and it just captures heart. He says, Save me from the curse that lies dark across the modern clergy, the curse of compromise, of imitation, of professionalism save me from the error of judging a church by its size its popularity or the amount of its yearly offering help me to remember that i'm a prophet not a promoter not a religious manager but a prophet let me never become a slave to crowds heal my soul of carnal ambitions and deliver me from the itch for publicity save me from bondage to things let me not waste my days puttering around the house Lay your terror upon me, O God, and drive me to the place of prayer where I may wrestle with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Deliver me from overeating and late sleeping. Teach me self-discipline that I may be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Would you join me in, in, in a prayer with that kind of heart, of just saying to the Lord, Lord, let my Life in every facet show your greatness. You have given your best for me. Lord, would you help me give my best for you? This morning, I will pray and we're going to sing one more time. It's a song we did last week about the king of glory. It's a joyful song. It's an opportunity for us to just begin here, to begin with our singing, to begin with our musical worship, to begin in our gathering, to give the Lord our best in acknowledging that His name is great and that He is the King of glory. Lord, today, just keep working in our hearts. Keep convicting. Keep Changing, Lord, let our lives be living sacrifices that show your greatness. Let us hear your rebuke and let us respond in humility to give our all, to give our best in an honoring, worshipful way of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.